Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. We're talking about the fear of the Lord. And if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about this. Because a lot of times when people think of the fear of the Lord, religion has taught you to be afraid of God. So every time you come into a church or anytime someone mentions God, for some reason it gets inside people where they're afraid or they don't like God because they've been painted a picture of God in such a way where it's like, man, I don't really want to serve the God that you're talking about because it just seems like he's such a terrible God. And on the contrary, the Bible has a different view of fear of the Lord. And that's why we called it holy fear because holy fear is simply this. It's me not being afraid of God, but me understanding who God is and having reverence and awe of him. It's me saying, God, I choose you above everything else. I place you as a priority over other people's opinions, over other people's desires, over other people's whatever money I'm placing God first. That's what the fear of the Lord is. I'm not afraid of God. I don't serve God because I'm afraid of him because I don't want him to punish me or curse me. No, I serve God because I love him and I live to please God. That's what holy fear is. is I'm living to please God and I know who God is and I recognize who he is. I recognize who God is in my life. I recognize that he's bigger than me. I recognize that he's all powerful. I recognize God in my life. I'm recognizing him. In fact, A.W. Tozer said this. He said, the fear of death and judgment goes out of us as true fear of God comes in. And that fear has no torment, but is rather light and easy. It's rather a light and easy yoke for the soul. One which rests us instead of exhausting us. That's the fear of the Lord. It's one that brings you rest. It's not one that brings you torment. If you feel torment or you feel unrest or you feel certain ways, then you're not looking at God the way the Lord is supposed to be looked at. If you're constantly feeling anxiety and you're constantly feeling this this thing, then you're not really looking at God the way God wants to be looked at, the way the word of God describes God. Is he powerful? Yes. Can he do Many things, yes. But a lot of times we look at God like Harry Potter. He's going to turn, put a pigtail on us. He's going to turn us into, I don't know. I do something wrong, he's going to turn me into a frog. No, that's not God. It's one that gives you rest. That's why when we did the transition, I said that the presence of God is something to be thankful for because we leave, not empty-handed, but with something. And that something is not a burden, but a blessing. Amen? That is the holy fear. That's how my message is this. It is this. It is a legacy of holy fear. And here's the definition of legacy. The definition of legacy is this. It is something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor or from from the past. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Judges chapter 3. We're gonna, this is going to be our main text today. Judges chapter 3, 7 through 10. It's a very short passage. Judges chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. It says this. It says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. 
They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to King I'm not gonna, I don't know how to say his name. King Cush. That's all we're going to call him. And the Israelites served Cush for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. The spirit of the Lord came upon him and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Cush and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. So there was peace in the land for 40 years. Then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. So I just wanted to share this passage because we're talking about legacy today. We're talking about, here's the thing, legacy has more to do with impact than other anything else. Legacy has more to do with just me trying to, to pass on my name or me trying to pass on uh, more money and me trying to pass a note. Legacy is all about impact. It's all about making sure that the generations after me know who the Lord is. Because when, here's the thing, when God let the people come out of Egypt and when the Lord sent them out into the promised land, God kept telling them and reminding them. They had to understand, hey, don't forget what God has done. Keep on instilling in your children what the Lord has done. The Lord commanded Joshua to continue to meditate on the word. To continue to that their children would continue. There's always a continuation of what God has done. But the Bible says that in this time... That the people of Israel forgot the Lord. They forgot the Lord. And they did evil in his sight. And then we see the consequences after that. If you were here in September, we did a sermon, a sermon series on the book of Romans. And we talked about what, when Paul talks about the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not God sending diseases. The wrath of God is allowing you to live out what you're doing. God, in other words, God's saying, hey, I'm sending people your way. I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm giving you my word. I'm sending you pastors. I'm sending you godly friends. I'm trying to let you know the ways of God. But if you keep rejecting me, then I'm going to leave you alone and you are now on your own. That is the wrath of God. When God lets us leave and live in our own ways. And you no longer have the Holy Spirit convicting you. And you no longer have the protection of God. God is, when that is the wrath of God, when me and you choose to consistently reject the Lord, then the God's hand comes off. And he says, all right, you want to be that way? Then go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm, I'm going to leave you alone. It's kind of like when, we have, when we're trying to help somebody and they don't want help and you finally say, okay, enough's enough. I'm not going to help you. Do whatever you want. It's the same thing with God. All right, enough's enough. I've given you my word. I've given you church. I've given you friends. I've given you everything to help you. But if you don't want it, you're on your own. And that's exactly what happened to the Israelites. They rejected the Lord. And what happens? War comes upon them. And now they are suffering. And the Bible says they suffered for eight years. They suffered. They rejected God. 
But this morning, I want to talk about, as we conclude this series, a legacy of holy fear. It is our responsibility, church, to continue to instill, not in our own, just in our lives, but the people behind us, our kids, our friends, um, um, our nieces and our nephews, whatever that looks like, to instill a holy fear that they do not forget the Lord. Because when the moment we begin to take God out of the picture, we experience what we're experiencing now in our culture. The moment we decide to comply, to tolerate, to be passive about certain things, the consequence is what we're dealing with right now. And so it's important, church, to understand that God has called us. We have a high calling, a high responsibility to live in fear of the Lord and to pass it on to the people around us and to the next generations so that they would be blessed, so that our families would see the hand of God at work, so that they don't experience the things that we've experienced. It is a high calling and it's a beautiful thing. So how do we leave a legacy of holy fear? If you're taking notes today, number one is this. It's build your life with Christ at the center. Build your life with Christ at the center. So many people build their lives with Jesus around them, but not with Jesus at the center of their life. Instead of building their lives around Jesus, they build Jesus around their life. In other words, so many people just add Jesus to their schedule. They add Jesus to their lives. Some way, somehow, they're like, let me try to fit God at 1 o'clock. Let me try to fit God at 7 p.m. Let me try to fit fit God at 10 p.m. when I don't have to worry about my kids. Let me me try to fit God some way, somehow in my life. And instead of saying, no, God, you come first. My life revolves around you. And my decisions and my desires are based off what you've already said in your word and who you are in my life. Amen? Amen. I know this sermon is not probably one of your favorites of Pastor Sam, but I would be a terrible pastor if I don't talk about this. I'd rather shoot with you straight than try to beat around the bush with you. So, so many people do that. And as a pastor, my desire, parents, my desire is that God would be the center. My desire is that your kids would watch you and see that your life revolves around God, not God trying to, trying to add God to your schedules. That's my desire. But unfortunately, time and time, I see it all. It's like a cycle as a pastor from afar. I can tell, I can tell just by talking to people and looking at their social medias when God is a center, when God's not. When God is a part of their schedule and when God's actually in the right smack middle of their life. I can tell. Because the Bible says that people will know you by your fruits. They might not know you by what you think all the time. They might not know you because maybe you don't say anything. Maybe you're kind of, you kind of hide things. But people will know you by your fruits. And I can tell when, there's someone, when someone lives a passive Christian life, when someone lives a, an on-fire Christian life. I know the difference. And my desire is that you would live on fire for the Lord. May the fire of God never go out from you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
but build your life with Christ at the center. Church, holy fear is essential for every believer in this room. So the question is, well, how did the Israelites forget? We read that they forgot the Lord. How did they forget? What is the root of the problem? If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Ephesians, I mean, not Ephesians, Judges chapter 2, the same book, Judges chapter 2, verse 10. This is how it started. It says this, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. One more time. This is the root of the problem. Before chapter 8, this is how it started. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. How did they forget? They did not acknowledge the Lord. How did they forget? They forgot because their parents were more concerned about money and building homes than leaving a legacy. God gave them the promised land and instead of instilling the word of God and letting them know, man, we have this blessing. God's given us a promise. We're experiencing milk and honey. We're experiencing, instead of reminding the kids of who God is, they forgot. They were more concerned with occupying than they were sitting under the hand of God. And they, the Bible says that they grew up not acknowledging the Lord. That means that there was a generation that knew the Lord. There was a generation that recognized God. There was a generation that followed the Lord and the Lord was the center. There was a generation. And then the Bible says that when they died, something else rose up. And they acknowledged, they did not acknowledge the Lord or, the, or, or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Bible says, if you go back to 3 verse 7, it says that the Israelites, chapter 3 verse 7, says the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot about the Lord their God and they served the images of Baal and the Asherah poles. In other words, think, look what it says. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. In other words, they didn't care that God was watching. They could care less. And then they started serving idols. They started serving other gods. If you don't know the gods of Baal and Asherah, those are gods of fertility. Asherah was a god of fertility. And so basically they would serve those gods and they would do sexually immoral acts for that god. The Asherah pole was a place that they would go, they would, they would do sexual acts and very immoral acts outside the confines of marriage, and they would do these things to please that God. They went from God, I'm learning and I'm living to please you to I'm trying to please a made up thing, a carved image. I, 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 I'm no longer going to please you. I'm going to please what suits me. I'm going to please what suits me. And that is when the issue goes downhill for the Israelites. 
And that is where the problems come. Church, I want to encourage you with this. Do not lower or compromise your godly standards. The moment you lower or compromise your godly standards is the moment that you miss out and you lose God's protection, God's provision, and God's guidance. The moment you begin to compromise, the moment you begin to forget to acknowledge God first, the moment you begin to acknowledge more about you than what God says is the moment you begin to lose the hand of God in your life. The moment you lower it, the more you say, you know what, I'm going to compromise on this. I'm going to justify why I do this. The moment you do that, you're, what you're saying is, okay, God, I, don't, I understand that you're saying this, but I really don't care. I want to feed myself. And so because I want to feed myself, I'm losing out on God's provision and God's blessings. I'm missing out on the protection of God. I'm missing, I'm choosing, just like I said earlier, I'm choosing to reject God and therefore God, is, his hand is coming off. And the most dangerous place to be, church, is out of the will of God. The scariest place to be is a life that has God's hand off of you. That's the scariest place to be. For the hand of the Lord to come off. For the hand of the Lord to no longer be there for you. That's a scary place to be. Number two is this. If we're going to leave a legacy, a holy fear of legacy, we have to make prayer the priority. Make prayer the priority. The Bible says this in verse 9. It says, but when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. Church, sin is fun for a season, but it will eventually run out. It's fun for a season, but eventually it's going to run out. Eventually it's going to catch up to you. Eventually you're going to find yourself in a pit that you were never meant to get into. Because that's what happens all the time. But I thank God that we have a chance to restore ourselves every single day. The Bible says that the Lord's mercies are new every single morning. I thank God that he doesn't look at us and he says, oh man, you messed up. Well, good luck, buddy. See you next year. Maybe when you come to Easter in 2024, I'll give you another chance. No, God gives us opportunities, church, to come to him and he will take us out of whatever we're going through. Aren't you grateful for the hand of God and the grace of God that allows us to recognize. But we have to understand that prayer has to be something that we pass on. It's a legacy to live. We have to understand that not only for me, but for my kids, that they need to understand that, man, God is the person I go to. He is my source of healing. He is my source of provision. I'm not looking to other people. I'm not looking to more opinions. I'm not looking to more friends. I'm not looking to what's on Google. No, God is the source. And because he's the source, my kids and my family and my friends and my nieces and nephews and everybody else that I love would see that God's my source. That prayer, my, my opportunity to come into the presence of God is the most important thing in my life after salvation. It's learning to be in the presence of God. 
Look what happens. The Israelites cried out to the Lord and the Lord answers. They recognize, they realize, oh my gosh, we've been in this cycle under this king. We've been suffering for eight years and then they realize, you know what? We need to call on to God. It took them eight years to remember, oh yeah, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Oh yeah, the God that took us out of Egypt. Oh yeah, the God. It took them eight years to recognize, hey, God's the one that blessed us. We need to go back to him. When we get into the presence of God, that is your opportunity, church. When you begin to pray and give God his, make room for God in your life, it is an opportunity for you to surrender your sins. It's an opportunity to cry out to the God, to the Lord. It's an opportunity, church. It's an opportunity to hear the Lord. It's an opportunity to find peace and find joy. Whenever I feel like I am troubled or I'm frustrated or I feel like there's something lacking in my life, I go back and I pray and I pray some more because that is in the presence of God where I find what I am looking for, church. It is in God's presence. It's not in the presence of more other things. It's not in the presence of more money. I can have more money. I can be a millionaire in this room. But if I don't have God, I'll be just as miserable. You know how many rich people are, deal with anxiety issues and drug addictions? Have all the money. Money can't fix anything. It's in the presence of God, church. It's when I learn to cry out to God. Be at peace. You have to understand, be at peace knowing that you can come to God just as you are and the Lord will respond to you as if you were someone that was perfect. Because so many people get it twisted. They're like, well, when I get my life together, I'll, I'll go to the presence of God. When, when, you know, when I fix a few things, Pastor Sam, I'll come back and, and I'll, give, I'll really give God. When I, when I fix, and before you know it, they've, they don't realize that God just wants you to come to him just as you are, the Bible says. To just come to him. Come to him. Come to him and find healing. Come to him and find restoration. Come to him and find peace. So many people are lacking peace. The Bible says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that gives us all of those things. But come to him boldly, the Bible says, to the throne of grace. Come into the Prince of God. Begin to declare who God is in his presence. Come to him, whatever it is, but come to the Lord. That's why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, can you put it real quick so people can read it? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28. says this, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, and I will give you rest. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus didn't say, come to me when you're perfect. Come to me when things are better in your life. He says, come to me, those who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And he says, I will give you 
rest. For someone in this room, if you are restless and you can't sleep and you have anxiety and you have all these things, I'm here to let you know that you can find rest in Jesus Christ today. Today. You don't have to be anxious the rest of your life. You don't have to be stressed the rest of your life. You don't have to be depressed and take pills for the rest of God can heal you and give you rest today. Jesus, come to me. In other words, he wants you to come to him. He wants you to go to him. He wants you to come to him if you're pissed off at something. He wants you to come if you're sad about something. He wants you to come however you are feeling in the moment, he wants that so that he can give you what you need. Other words, some of you are carrying, there's there's another group of people, you're carrying burdens because you went to those things thinking they were rest, but they were really burdens in disguise. And that's why you're carrying that. You You mistaken, mistook, I'm creating words today. I need to go back to Webster's Dictionary. You are mistaken. You were mistaken in that moment. You looked at something. You thought that that thing was going to give you rest. But all it did was bring back more and more burdens. And here's the thing, church. There's nothing wrong. I know I said it earlier. There's nothing wrong if you get a promotion or you get more money. There's nothing wrong with those things. But those things cannot be your source. Oh, if I move to this place, if I get this promotion, if I do that, I'm going to be so much happier. Really? Are you? Or are those things that you're escape from reality? Just because it looks good when it's presented to you doesn't mean it is good. Kind of like when you go to a restaurant that people hype up and you go and the restaurant's terrible. Have you ever had that? You don't have terrible friends like that? God bless you. I'm kidding. I have great friends too. So sometimes their tastes are not that great. But you ever been there where they they give you, they hype you up and you get the plate and it's nicely made and you're like, ooh, this is good. And then you eat it, you're like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. I'm not going to recommend this on Facebook. No, I'll get this and that. If you get this, it's going to be so good. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. The same thing with our life with God. So many times, I'm not saying that everything that's presented to you is bad, but ask the Holy Spirit when things are presented in the moment, Holy Spirit, reveal to me, is this going to give me peace or is this just going to give me trouble? Am I going to be carrying more burdens or this is actually going to help me in rest? Whatever that looks like, church, make prayer part of it because it's in prayer that God will begin to reveal the things you've been asking for that nobody else could reveal. It's in prayer where you will know the peace of God and you'll feel the peace of God. Anything that comes from God is peace. Anything that comes with stress, chaos, and all, that's not God. You'll know. But make prayer a priority. Don't pray to God just because you're going through a hard thing. Pray to God even when you're on the mountaintop. Because he's the God that took you up there in the first place. It, didn't, it wasn't because of just you. It was the hand of God. But I want you to see that. He says, I will give you 
rest. For people in this room that are dealing with unrest and restlessness, Jesus is saying he can give you rest. You don't have to have insomnia for the rest of your life. You don't have to wake up burdened every single day and beat up. No, Jesus says, I will give you rest. Rest. Last one is this. You can put it up there. The last point. Let it be known that God is your deliverer. How, how else can you leave a legacy? Let it be known that God is your deliverer. Let it be known. Let the people around you and your kids and the generations know that it's because of God you are where you're at. Every Wednesday, uh, I meet with our pastors. We talk about different things, and then I try to, we talk, you know, I'll, what, the past two maybe, Alex, right? I'll do like a leadership talk. But the last thing I told our pastors was this, is that God always has to be the hero in the story. The moment we become the heroes, the heroes of the story is the moment we're not really preaching the true gospel. I'm not the hero of the story. God is. I stand here by the grace of God. I preach here by the grace and the love and the mercy of God. But I'm not the hero. When God heals your body, I'm not the hero. It was the hand of God. When God opens up that door for you, it's not about who prayed for you. It's God's hand. God is the hero of the story. And generations, and we just dedicated kids today, they need to know that God is the deliverer of their life. The Bible says that when they cried out to the Lord, he answered them. And the Bible says that he sent, that he raises up a deliverer in Othniel. You know what the Bible, I love the little detail that the Bible puts, that he was the nephew of Caleb. If you don't know who Caleb is, Caleb is in the book of Numbers. When, before they ever walked in the promised land, they send out 12 spies to scout the promised land. They were about to enter. And out of the 12, only two said, surely we can conquer these people and surely we can enter the promise. The other 10, they were afraid. They started saying things like, we're like grasshoppers to them. They're too big. They're this, they're that. But two of them said, nah, man, we can certainly enter the promised land. We can certainly defeat these people. And it was Joshua and it was Caleb. Other words, Othniel is a product of someone said, God certainly can. And today, I want to look at Caleb's today. That in the midst of what we're seeing out there, in the midst of wars and rumors of wars, there are people of God that said, God certainly can. He can certainly provide for me. He can certainly heal my body and your body. He can certainly open the door. God certainly can. And it starts with me and you saying that and believing that and acting on it. Othniel was a product. He was a minority in that moment. You have to understand, Israelites had forgotten God and they were acting in rebellious ways. 
And Othniel was a minority that said, no, no, no. I'm not going to participate in what everybody else is doing. I'm going to follow the Lord. And the Lord not only raised up, but the Spirit of God was on him. Church, whenever the Spirit of God is on you, everyone else around you will know. Because in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, at that time, the Holy Spirit would come on somebody and then they would go do miraculous things. They would do supernatural things. Thousands of years later, we have something better. The Holy Spirit's not just on me, he's in me. Acts chapter 2 came and the Holy Spirit fell. And he fell on every believer. And that's for you today. That when you got the Holy Spirit, he will enable you to do what you could not do before. And everyone around you will know. When you choose to submit to God, when you choose to allow the Spirit of God to work, everyone around you will not only know, but they will be blessed because of you. They'll be blessed by your actions. They'll be blessed by your prayers. They'll be blessed by what you do because you got the Holy Spirit at work in you. And the Bible says that they, Othniel rises up and he leads them to battle and he overcomes the king and they had peace for 40 years and then he dies. And then you keep reading the stories and so many different things happen after that. And unfortunately, a lot of bad things. But as long as Othniel was alive, there was peace. What I love about the Lord is he raised up a deliverer in that time. And me and you are products of the ultimate deliverer. He sends his son, Jesus, for God so loved the world that he would send his son to die for us. God raised up Jesus so that me and you could rise over our situations. God raised up Jesus so that we can come to him boldly. God raised up Jesus so that we could live in victory every single day of our lives. When Israel was in turmoil and the Roman Empire was impacting those people and they were pressuring those people and they were attacking Israelites and doing all these things. He raises up the Son of God. We're about to enter Christmas. I know Santa is a big deal, but we don't celebrate Christmas because of Santa. We celebrate Christmas because of our Savior. That he came into this world. He came so that we and you could be set free. So that we can live in eternity for him. So that me and you could experience rest. But let it be known that God is your deliverer. When you, grandparents, let it be known, let your grandkids know That God is the deliverer. God's the reason why you're still here. And why you guys are blessed. Let it be known. If you're a middle school or high schooler, you might not have kids right now. But let it be known that God is the deliverer of your life. Let it be known. My prayer is that we would continue to raise up generations that will let people know that God is king. 
thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas, and we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.